pilgrimage of Andy Ahern. Not many people in this scientific age believe in miracles, and Andy Ahern wasn't inclined to believe in them either. That is, until there came a time in his life when he was desperately in need of one. But as for Agnes, Mrs. Andy Ahern, that's a different matter. Perhaps to a woman, the birth of a first child is in itself a miracle. And Agnes Ahern thanked God for her child as she lay in the maternity hospital eager to have her husband get his first glimpse of their baby. The nurse said I shouldn't stay too long. How are you, Agnes? I'm all right, Andy. A little tired and weak, but don't you worry. Everything's going to be fine. Look at your daughter, Rita. She's awfully little. Uh, Well, I mean, she isn't very big. Seven pounds, one ounce. That's better than average. Who do you think she looks like? Guy, she doesn't look like anyone. I mean, I don't know who she looks like. It's too soon to tell, isn't it? Oh, she's beautiful, isn't she? Yes, sweetheart. Agnes, I was so worried about you. Everything seemed to take so long. And then when they did tell me that I could see you for a minute, my legs shook so that I could hardly walk in. Thank God it's all over and that you're both all right. Oh, Agnes. Oh, you go on home and get some sleep, Andy. And come to see me tomorrow after work. All right. When do you think they'll let you come home? In about two weeks. Good night, Agnes. Good night, darling. Say good night to your daughter. Uh, Good night, little Rita. Good night, Andy. Now be sure and eat and get your sleep. You hear me? Agnes? Yes, Andy? I love you. Two weeks later, Agnes came home with the baby. The next morning, Andy was on his job with the express company a bit earlier than usual. He was a father now who had to make plans for his daughter's future. Such thoughts as these were running through Andy Ahern's mind that afternoon of October 1915 as he backed his wagon to a delivery platform. He let down the tailgate and started to unload a heavy trunk. Back, 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 boy, back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Steady, steady there, boys. Just stand still. I've got a big trunk to unload. Oh, oh, oh! Oh! Help! 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 Action! Good morning, Andy. Good morning, Doctor. Well, how do you feel? Just the same. Just the same. How long are you going to keep me in bed like this? It's been six months. Andy, when that trunk fell on you, you not only suffered a serious hip injury, you hit the back of your head. 
and you've had a very severe concussion. Is that what causes these convulsions? Yes. And although they've moderated, there's no telling how long they'll continue. Well, how about my leg? Well, it isn't knitting as we'd hoped, Andy. Do you mean that I can never use that leg again? I don't like to use the word never. Come on, doctor, tell me the truth. From what we know now, Andy, it's extremely unlikely that you'll ever be able to use your left leg again. That means crutches for the rest of my life. Now, Andy, there are always new discoveries in medicine. We never know. Morning, Andy. Doctor. Hello, Agnes. You're early. I asked your wife to come so I could talk to you both about your condition and about your future. You told Andy about about the crutches? Yes. Well, lots of fellas have to use crutches, Agnes. There's lots of jobs where you sit down and work, like uh, being a cashier. Now, Andy, before you start making plans, there's something I have to say... And this I didn't mention to you yesterday, Mrs. O'Hearn. I wanted you both to hear it at the same time. There was a consultation yesterday of the staff. About Andy? Yes. And it was agreed Andy should be transferred. Transferred? Where, Doctor? To the State Hospital for Epileptics. No. No. We can't do that. But why? It's a fine hospital, well-staffed. And Andy will get excellent care. Look, Doctor, I've got a wife and child to support. I can't go into any state hospital. That'll mean I'm through. Now, look, son, you've got to face this. You're not going to be able to do much work, if any, for a long time. And you're going to need care. So I was thinking it would be much easier financially if you went to a state institution. Why do you want to get rid of me? Now, Andy, if we thought there was a ten-to-one chance of helping you, we'd want you to stay here. Doctor, I don't want to live off the state. If I have to go about on crutches, all right, I'll manage... He doesn't have to go if he doesn't want to, does he? Of course not, Mrs. Thurne. And you don't have to make an immediate decision. I suggest you talk things over with your wife and relatives before you do anything. And there's this to consider. And I'm talking to you as a friend now, Andy, as well as your doctor. If you don't go to the state institution, how will you be supported? With God's help, we'll manage. Well, I admire your faith, Mrs. Hearn, and your courage... It was you, Doctor, who told me that it was a mystery how Andy survived the first 24 hours after his accident. It was, and it still is. Whatever kept him alive during those hours, it wasn't medical knowledge. It was God's will that Andy live. Well, perhaps you're right, Mrs. Ahern. Perhaps the Almighty had a purpose. I'm sure of it. Goodbye, Mrs. Ahern, and keep on being sure of it. Agnes, I want to get out of here. You will, dear, now you will. I'm going to talk to Father McGee and see if he can help you get into some other hospital. Andy was transferred to the hospital run by the Sisters of Providence. Though his convulsions became less severe and less frequent, there was little improvement in his condition. Agnes was called many times when it was thought Andy's death was near. Each time, he survived. From time to time, Agnes would bring Rita to the hospital. Look how she sleeps. If I could only do that forever. 
Oh, Andy, what are you saying? Oh, don't you think I've thought of it many times? I don't think I'll ever get well. My God, I've been here over a year, a year of dying over and over. Andy, stop that. Agnes, I can't face being a burden to you. You'd be better off without me. Andy, I won't listen to you. I'm, I'm going to the office right now and demand that you be sent home at once, this night. Oh, do that, Agnes. If I must die, I want to be with you and the baby. Not taking you home to die, Andy, but to live. At home, Andy was placed in a cast that extended below the arms to the hips and all the way down the left leg. It had to be changed once a month. This went on for 22 months. Then the cast was removed. Andy, when you pinched your leg just now, what did you feel? It was uh, the same as if I'd pinched a broomstick. Hmm. Yeah, legs paralyzed. But the, the months I spent in the cast did no good. I was hopeful that crack in the hip would knit. It hasn't. What happens now? Well, now we must fit you with crutches. Well, I have to depend on them for a long time. Yes, Andy. I'm afraid a long, long time. For the next seven years, Andy Ahern walked on crutches. He borrowed a pony and cart from a friend and went about town selling seeds, while Agnes tended the small store they'd started in a barn nearby. Then, for a year, he was able to hold a job as cashier in a restaurant but had to give it up because for weeks at a time he would wake up and find that he was completely paralyzed. He began to suffer from terrible headaches, felt he was getting weaker and weaker. Then, one day, a caller left a pamphlet. Agnes read it, and then she asked Andy to read it. Andy, did you read the pamphlet I left you? The Annals of St. Anne de Beaupre? Yes. I read it three times. I read in the paper there's a group leaving next week. Agnes, what do you think of all the cures they tell about? What can I think? It's wonderful. You want me to go? Yes, and on this trip next week. But you know what the doctors say. Andy, the people who go to St. Anne are those whom the doctors have given up as incurable. You saw the pictures of the shrine filled with crutches and wheelchairs of those who came with them but left without them. But this would be a miracle. One miracle among hundreds of miracles. St. Anne's intercession has helped others. Oh, Andy, dear, she can and she will help you. But even if I decided I should go, we haven't got the money. We'll find the money. If I went and nothing happened, it'd be such a waste. Not if you go in faith and confidence. And you will, Andy, I know you. I know how deeply you believe in God. How faithful you are in attending Mass and confession. Do you really think that St. Anne can, I mean, would? Ask her, dear. Go to her. She's the mother of the mother of Christ. She knows sorrow and pain. In all these years, we've never asked God to cure you. That's right, only the doctors. And they've given you up. Nothing is hopeless. Nothing is impossible to the holy saints. Andy, just let me call Miss McCarthy, the woman in charge of the pilgrimage. 
and tell her that you want to join the group. All right. Go ahead. It won't hurt to find out about the trip and how much it'd cost. What did Miss McCarthy say? You get on here, and then the train goes to Montreal. You then change for a train that'll take you right to the shrine. You sleep and eat on that train. But how much does it cost? Only $60. Only? We don't have $60. Well, we've got three days to get it in. Miss McCarthy wants you to see her. When? Right now. Here's the address. She'll be expecting you. Agnes, Miss McCarthy's wonderful. She explained everything. She gave me the prayer to St. Anne and the annals, and I read of the different cures. Andy, you're a different person already. Coming back, I made up my mind. If good St. Anne interceded for all those people, she'd do the same for me. If I asked her in the right way, of course. And have the faith, Andy. Oh, I have. I have. Now all I need is the money. I'll call on my friends first thing in the morning. Andy, don't be foolish. I'd gladly give you the money, but my sister had a good friend, and she... She had a minor ailment. She went all the way to that shrine. Nothing happened. Andy, the shrine may affect cures for people who aren't really sick in the first place, but your case is hopeless, son. It's not the money. It's what's going to happen to you and Agnes when you build up hope for a cure only to be disappointed. Ever thought of that? What's going to happen when the miracle doesn't come off? No, I've never thought of that. Why not? You should. I guess it's because I just keep thinking that St. Anne is going to help me and my wife and baby. Did you have any luck? Everybody turned me down. Not one of your friends could help? No. Well, some of them didn't have the money. And those who did said I was foolish to waste it on such a trip. Oh, they meant well. Maybe there'll be another trip later on. Andy, you're going on this one. On what? Tell me that. We have a home, haven't we? Sure. But what good is Home's it Home's you... nothing without your cure. We'll borrow on the house. You better get on. We got here last, so there's nothing left but an upper berth. And it'll take time to get you into it. Goodbye, Agnes. When you see me again, I won't be wearing these crutches. Oh, now, Andy, if good St. Anne helps you, don't forget to thank her. Oh, don't you worry about that. I'll keep on thanking her for the rest of my life. It took the conductor, porter, and two of the train crew to help Andy into the berth. In the struggle, he landed on his right side and had to stay that way. Changing trains at Montreal, he fell and cut his good knee. He was carried into the smoking compartment and laid on the cushions. Are you all right, Andy? Oh, I'm all right, Father. Now we'll arrive at the shrine tomorrow. That's St. Anne's feast day, you know. Oh, yes. That's why I had to take this trip. That's when most cures take place, isn't it? They generally do. That's the day the major relic is applied, you know. Now, I'll arrange for you to have a place near the altar so you can assist at the Mass. And after the Mass is the veneration of the relic. 
When your turn comes, you tell the priest which parts of your body you wish to be touched by it. Oh, then it's at the altar I'll be cured. God willing, Andy, you will be cured. day, the mass was finished. The crowd surged forward to the altar. Andy clung to the rosary, reciting it silently as he waited his turn. He knelt at the altar and asked that the relic be touched to his hip, left leg, and back of his head. He moved to one side to let others pass. His hand reached down to touch his left leg, but he withdrew it quickly and finished the rosary. Then his hand went down to his leg. He touched it gently, then harder, then dug his clawed fingers into the flesh with all his strength. His head hung down on his chest, the face contorted with pain and despair. Only his lips moved, and he fingered the beads of the rosary. Was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day, he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence, he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Andy? Come. Everyone has left? No. No. Father, help me up. I, I want to kneel before St. Anne. Very well, but I'd better stand by. No. No, no. Just help me to her, and then leave me alone. Why but, Andy, now you're in pretty bad shape. Please, Father. Please. Very well, Andy. Very well. Glorious Saint Anne, filled with compassion for those who invoke thee, and with love for those who suffer, heavily burdened with the weight of my troubles, I cast myself at thy feet and humbly beg of thee to take friend of fair which I commend to thee under thy special consideration. The hand reaching down to touch the left leg halted and was brought back and lifted up in supplication. Holy Saint Anne, mother of the mother of Christ, this sacred promise I make to you, as long as I live, I shall receive Holy Communion. I shall never touch liquor. I shall return to the shrine yearly with the afflicted, regardless of creed, color, or nationality. And if they do not have the money for the pilgrimage, either all or in part, I myself will go from door to door and beg for it. He repeated these promises and the rosary and then felt his leg. And then a strange thing happened. 
Andy looked at the statue, and then his eyes moved slowly about the church. It was as if St. Anne had left the niche, and he was following her movement with his eyes. They fixed on the gate at the altar rail for an instant, then followed to the door. As his eyes fixed on the door, he staggered to his feet. Good St. Anne, if you don't want to cure me for my sake, please, please do it for my good wife, whose faith in you is endless, and for my daughter. He lay in a faint for almost 15 minutes, prone before the statue. He pushed himself up to a sitting position and reached out to pull his paralyzed leg into position. A look of fright and disbelief flashed across his face, and he jerked his hand away as if he had touched hot iron. I felt it. I felt it. I know I did. It was the leg I felt. Not my fingers. The feeling was in the leg, not the fingers. This time I'll, I'll pinch it. Held it all right. Now I, I wonder if it'll hold me if I stand. Well, there's only one way to find out. I'd better use the crutches until I know for sure. Just one will be enough. Seems to be all right. Well, here goes. Merciful God. I can walk. I can walk. I, I must take it easy. I haven't used my leg for so long. I've made the door. Wait until they see me without my crutches. Just a minute, Andy Ahern. You're forgetting something. You ungrateful, thoughtless fool. Good St. Anne, forgive me. Thank you. I shall thank you as long as I live. And I will keep the promise I made to you. Father! Father! Look! Look! How we prayed for you. Oh, and St. Anne heard you. I'll tell you all about it later. Hello, Doctor. Hello, Andy. I'll have to believe in miracles now. No doctor living could cure you. Uh, I- I'd like to examine that leg tomorrow. Forgive me, Andy, for not lending you the money to go to the shrine. I, I was foolish. Well, you'll be seeing me again, then. There'll be pilgrimages each year. And it'll take a lot of money. Now, what is this about a pilgrimage each year? Oh, Father, it's a promise I made to St. Anne. To bring the afflicted to her each year, as long as I live. And to raise the money for those who couldn't pay. I'll need all the help I can get to make good. I think, Father, after what's happened, help will be forthcoming. I'm rather confident it will be. Here's the list. The first pilgrimage of your promise. There's 116 in the party. 77 are afflicted, the rest with canes and braces. And uh, how about the money, Miss Bookkeeper? 
Not enough yet for those who can't pay anything. Well, we've got a few days left. I'll get the money. And I hope so. It would be terrible if someone had to be left. No one who has faith in St. Anne is going to be left behind. On July 16, 1923, Andy Ahern's first pilgrimage train pulled into the siding at St. Anne de Beaupre. It was the first of many. Each year when he started his campaign, the treasury would be empty. But by train time, Andy had raised the money and no one was left behind. Never again did Andy have to rely on crutches. But when he died many years later, the Bishop of Springfield reminded all of Andy Ahern's contribution to humanity and to God. Mr. Ahern's faithful fulfillment of his promise to conduct a pilgrimage to the shrine in Canada each year will continue to be an inspiration and a challenging example to all of us. This one man's wholehearted cooperation with God brought an abundance of warmth and confidence and courage and many other blessings into the lives of countless other children of God. Today, Andy Ahern's son-in-law, Louis Riel, still conducts pilgrimages for the afflicted to the shrine of St. Anne de Beaupre. <laughs>